Welcome to the Self-Protectorate Broadcast. Today, I'll be discussing face masks and secession. You don't want to miss this. Get ready for an info-packed show. Gentlemen, I am the Burb, and you are tuning into the weekly Self-Protectorate Broadcast. Today is Tuesday, July 20th, 2021, and we have got an information-packed show for you today. But first, I need to reiterate for those of you who are new listeners just what a self-protectorate is. Hmm, what is a self-protectorate? That's the funniest-sounding term, self-protectorate. Maybe you're familiar with the idea of a protectorate, which is a country that it's governmental affairs are overseen by another country or a parent country, uh, kind of like how the Isle of Man is an English protectorate. So a self-protectorate is kind of just like it sounds. It is a self-sustained, self-directed, and self-controlled, and self-instituted protectorate. Self-protectorate. Self-protectorate is actually the alternative to government or having a government. It's a type of state system that, unlike government, has not received a lot of attention throughout history. In fact, it has not received any attention because this is a relatively bold and new idea for our time that I think patriots and conservatives alike can easily get on board with because it does a much better job than government at securing the lives, liberties, and property of the people. And how can we do that? How can it do that? Because self-protectorate uses a system of unchangeable law based on natural law and the rights of man. Today I'll be discussing two separate topics related to events over the course of the past few months. For the first half of the show, I'll be speaking on masks and the giant mask delusion that is still being foisted upon all of us by the mainstream media and our well-meaning neighbors and friends. Uh, folks, I live in Georgia where it is actually illegal to wear a mask in public. It is a misdemeanor offense found in the criminal code of Georgia, and even though there are many well-meaning folks in my state who, bless their heart, are still wearing masks in public, it is against the law to do so. So more on that coming up in the first part of the show. In the second half of the show, I'll be speaking on the ongoing feeling of secessionism throughout the United States, and I'll explain just why states seceding from the Union is a bad idea, especially right now. But first, I'm going to cut to a sponsor segment, and we'll be right back. To my fellow patriots and conservatives, right now, history is at a crossroads. Our nation is now under constant assault by foreign and domestic communist forces using fourth generation warfare in an effort to subvert the U.S. Constitution and overthrow the United States of America. We must rise to meet and vanquish the evil and corruption threatening our country. Our government has been infiltrated by communist forces and is being subverted and overthrown. We must take back our government and establish a self-protectorate to permanently stop the corruption that is tearing our country apart. Learn what a self-protectorate is and how we can use it to take our country back and establish a land of true peace and prosperity. Buy the book, Self-Protectorate, Blueprint for a Better World, on sale at Amazon.com and Gumroad.com. Let's support freedom and liberty for all. And we're back. 
So masks, yeah. Where do I begin? I know. How about this article from basedunderground.com? New study shows face masks force children to inhale over 12 times more than the safe amount of CO2. Wow. Can you believe that? I mean, except for the obvious fact that rebreathing in the same air you just exhaled is giving you headaches, shortness of breath, dizziness, irritability, fatigue, and difficulty breathing. I mean, if you've worn a mask over your face this past year for any length of time, then you know that it causes these things. These are the symptoms of a medical condition called hypercapnia, which is essentially too much carbon dioxide in your blood. Uh, by the way, some of the possible outcomes of developing hypercapnia, some of the possible outcomes of having too much carbon dioxide in your blood are not only irritability and dizziness or headaches, but more serious outcomes like seizures, heart failure, loss of consciousness, coma, and death. Yes, death, ladies and gentlemen. Don't believe me? Uh, then let's look at this article from verywell, verywellhealth.com. An overview of hypercapnia, which states hypercapnia is excess carbon dioxide, CO2, buildup in your body. The condition, also described as hypercapnia, hypercarbia, or carbon dioxide retention, can cause effects such as headaches, dizziness, and fatigue, as well as serious complications such as seizures or loss of consciousness. Or, how about this article from copddisease.org titled, Death from COPD, Some Essential Things to Know, where in the second paragraph down in the article it says, this ultimately leads to a rise in carbon dioxide levels within the blood, medically referred to as hypercapnia, and can lead to heart failure and death. Death! Death! Ladies and gentlemen, death! Wearing face coverings or face masks for extended periods of time can cause hypercapnia, which can cause death. I mean, just think of all the kids in school who this past year had to wear masks and rebreathe in their carbon dioxide for 7 to 10 hours a day. How many of them are going to suffer from these conditions where they have heart problems for the rest of their life? So this article written by Dr. McCullough cites a study showing that face masks force children to literally inhale 12 times more than the safe amount of carbon dioxide, which is leading to hypercapnia in children. Uh, the article goes on to say, The anti-science authoritarians forcing children to wear face masks are worse than idiots. They're doing real harm. And as a new study has revealed, the harm they're doing to children may be worse than most Americans realize. The article further states, Mandating children to wear face masks for long periods of time while at school and participating in other activities is an unprecedented move one that was put into place despite no research showing the practice is safe. It's not simply a case of something is better than nothing because the act of mask wearing comes with a risk of adverse effects. Now that the pandemic is more than a year behind us, evidence is starting to accumulate showing that the use of face masks in children may cause more harm than good. One of the latest studies noted that the evidence base for making face masks compulsory in school children is weak and looked into their effects on carbon dioxide in inhaled air. I mean, look folks, this is something that should be obvious to everyone, but evidently is only obvious to those who are enlightened enough to watch, listen to, or read anything other than the collapsing echo chamber of Facebook, Twitter, and communist controlled media. Masks restrict breathing. 
Masks restrict breathing. They prevent the natural and normal inflows and outflows of oxygenated air from your lungs. Again, it should be obvious, but some people don't seem bright enough to understand that it is harmful to cover the parts of your face that allow you to breathe and live. I mean, this is grade school science. Come on, people. So I live in suburban Georgia, outside of the, outside of the Atlanta metro area, and last year when all the uh, COVID mass hysteria started, all the school systems in the area pretty much came to a screeching halt on the same day, uh, March 14th, 2020. Now, I have five kids, and when that happened, my wife and I were left scrambling to buy new laptops, you know, increase our monthly internet capacity, and to stock up on food and essential items for our family of seven. When the new school year was set to start that August, uh, we thought that we could get some relief from the stresses of having our kids at home by getting them back into the grind of in-person schooling, but that idea also came to a screeching halt as we watched, utterly dumbfounded, at the decisions that our local school board was making, especially when it came to the decision that all students attending school in person would be required to wear a mask. I remember my wife and I looking at each other and saying that there was no way that we were going to harm our children by making them wear a mask for seven to eight or even nine hours a day. That would be child abuse. And it is child abuse. It's child abuse to force children to wear a mask and restrict their airways. You're starving their bodies of oxygen and damaging their bodies with a hypercapnia, too much carbon dioxide in their blood. So we pulled our kids out of public school this last year and found an accredited online homeschool program in order to protect our children. And my wife and I found out that we weren't the only ones that did this. Uh, many, many families in our county and in the greater Atlanta metro area did the same thing. Uh, school district administrators may have thought that parents were pulling their kids out because they were afraid their children would contract COVID, but quite the opposite. Uh, these parents were in fact pulling their kids because of the blatant abuse from the public, the public education system, uh, making it a policy to physically harm all children in the name of science, when actually it isn't even real science. Now another school year is about to start and something happened earlier this month that most Georgians don't realize, even though I've been blasting it out on social media and telling as many of my friends and peers about it as I can. Uh, earlier this month at 12 a.m. on July 1st, in the middle of the night, Governor Brian Kemp's executive order declaring a state of emergency due to a COVID-19 pandemic expired. The executive order expired, and along with it, another executive order expired. The executive order that made it legal to wear masks in public in Georgia throughout the duration of the pandemic. Many Georgians don't realize that Georgia has a law found in the Georgia Code, and that is here. So that's Title, sec, uh, excuse me, title 16, Section 11, Subsection 38. So that's Georgia Code 1611-38, which makes it illegal to wear a mask, a hood, or other covering that conceals the identity of the person wearing it. In fact, 18 states, including Georgia, have a similar law because, let's face it, unless you fall under one of the few exemptions found in the law, you're probably up to no good like robbing a bank or mugging a, a young married couple in the Buckhead area of Atlanta if you're wearing a mask. So under Georgia law, wearing a mask in public and even on private property without permission is illegal and a crime. Under an executive order issued on April 13th, 2020 and signed by Governor Brian Kemp, 
language was temporarily added to this statutory law that permitted people to wear a mask throughout the duration of the pandemic. But on July 1st, this past year, three weeks ago, at midnight, that executive order expired and it is now once again fully illegal in Georgia to wear a mask in public or on private property without written permission. I bring up this point for several reasons. Look, I know it's only been three weeks since mask wearing in Georgia is now once again illegal, but guess what? Everybody should have been told by now, and everybody should know by now, especially retail outlets, businesses, and public school systems. I can understand the fact that the general population may not quite fully know, especially if they are caught in the echo chamber of communist media like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and mainstream communist news outlets like uh, you know CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, TBS, and others. But when it comes to businesses like retail outlets and when it comes to public schools, there is no excuse. What I have on screen here, let me pull that up. What I have on screen here is a picture from a local grocery store that was taken three days ago. Uh, for those of you listening to the podcast version of the broadcast, it's a sign on the glass door of this well-known international grocery chain. I won't say its name, although you have to have a quarter to get a shopping cart. Uh, that has done a lot of business in the U.S. over the past 20 years. Uh, this is a large business, and like most large businesses, it has access to teams of attorneys. Yet, here is a sign on the front of this business that says customers are required to wear masks unless they have gotten the COVID-19 vaccine, that is. I mean, how discriminatory is that? First of all, they are saying you can't come in their store without a mask unless you've been vaccinated, as if my medical history is any of their daggum business. Doesn't that potentially violate HIPAA? Doesn't that potentially violate federal law? But the thing that irks me the most is the fact that they are requiring you to wear a mask. So this store wants you to commit a crime in order to shop there. And don't worry. There are plenty of people who are ignorantly breaking the law while shopping there, but they think they have to wear a mask because of some random sign on the door that says it's required. Look, folks, fellow Georgians, hear me. The law is clear on this. They can't force or require you to wear a mask, especially now that the pandemic state of emergency is officially over and has been for weeks. This seems like they're setting themselves up for a hefty lawsuit if anyone and everyone decides to push this, especially since there are mountains of evidence showing that wearing masks cause hypercapnia and can lead to severe injury, including death. Shows you just how much this grocery chain and other businesses in Georgia that do the same thing actually care about you and your family. They could not care less if you croak in their store. Now, under the law, they can give written permission to their customers to wear a mask if the customer chooses to do so but they should not be able to require their customers to wear a mask. As an aside, I don't understand why you would want your customers coming into your retail space wearing a mask anyway. I mean, wouldn't you be worried about theft or getting robbed? See, that's the other real danger to this whole scenario. What happens now to these businesses in Georgia that require their customers to wear masks when the store gets robbed by someone wearing a mask? Does the safety of their customers actually matter? So several school districts in the Atlanta metro area this past week said that uh, they will allow in-person school this coming school year, but once again, they will require masks. Well, I can understand them getting away with that while the governor's executive orders were in place, 
but they are not in place any longer. And these school districts should have teams of attorneys they refer to to tell them that it is, in fact, illegal to wear a mask on public property in Georgia, according to the law. So now, not only are these school districts continuing a policy of child abuse, but they are literally trying to turn kids into criminals, making them and their parents liable for committing a crime. Doesn't that seem like the exact opposite of what we as a society expect out of the education system? I thought the education system was supposed to teach our children to be upright citizens and protect them from abuses like bullying. But now the school systems have become the bully and are attempting to turn our kids into criminals, into lawbreakers. What kind of principles and value are they instilling into our children? Now, I want to uh, put up on the screen here just for a moment, the executive orders that I was just talking about. So this is the first executive order. This is the one that declared a pandemic. This is the executive order from Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, uh, from March 14th, 2020, declaring a public health state of emergency for novel coronavirus, COVID-19. And this is the one that he renewed every 30 days or so. Um, and along the way would attach a couple of other things to it, uh, just to make it more robust. Well, then in April, on April 13th of 2020, he attached this executive order, which is the executive order regarding the use of face masks or coverings to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, uh, it says that all provisions of the order shall become effective upon signature and shall expire at the conclusion of the public health state of emergency declared in executive order March 14th, 2020, the, one, the same one that I just first told you about. Um, and of course, it was renewed by the... So in other words, it's meant to go forward. And further on, it goes, it says, if the public health state of emergency is renewed, this order shall carry forward with the public health state of emergency until such state of emergency is terminated or ceases to be renewed by the governor. So this executive order, the face mask order, which makes it, or made it rather, legal to wear a face mask or to wear a mask or a face covering in the state of Georgia um, during the pandemic, this executive order has now expired. Uh, because the public health state of emergency declared in the prior executive order expired. In fact, the governor in his most recent executive order, the one that's called a declaration for a state of emergency for continued COVID-19 economic recovery. In this one, he even declares the prior health executive order, the public health state of emergency declared by the executive order on March 14th, 2020 expired and he ended it on July 1st, 2021 at 12 a.m. at midnight in the middle of the night, okay? Which means the face mask executive order that attached to the public health state of emergency is also gone. It's expired. It's of no use and no force anymore. Uh, which means, ta-da, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, if you live in the state of Georgia, it is once again illegal. I say illegal unlawful. It is a crime. It's a misdemeanor crime to wear a mask in public or on private property without prior written consent. There. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, going along with all of this, I just want to bring up the fact that um, speaking of children wearing masks, 
I recall a number of years ago, there was a big to-do in the media, a big splash about, oh, the torture of detainees in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, in Gitmo, uh, being waterboarded. And the question was whether or not waterboarding was actually considered torture. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with the process of waterboarding, essentially a subject lies on a table on a flat surface, and then their face is covered with cloth, and water is poured on the cloth and on their face so that they experience the effect of drowning. Um, that was, I believe it was ruled to be torture. In fact, it is now considered torture to do that. Well, what's the difference between putting a piece of cloth over someone's face so they can it restricts their breathing so that they experience shortness of breath and anxiety? Isn't that also torture? Couldn't that also be considered torture? I mean, what happens if someone's wearing a mask while they're swimming or wearing a mask while they're outside and it's raining and they're running? Uh, what happens if they're trying to breathe in while they're running and the mask sucks into their mouth? Isn't that torture? You're restricting their bear, you're restricting their airways either way. They, they can't breathe. At least not very well. And so here we are in the U.S. still exposing our children and even the, uh, the American Association of Pediatrics says the same thing now. They, they recommend masks for children. I mean, what the crap is going on? People, do you not understand? If you have something covering your face, it restricts your airway, it restricts your breathing. That's torture. It feels like torture to other people, especially if you have medical conditions where it's already difficult to breathe in the first place. We need to get over this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. We need to stop going along with this. We need to call out people for abusing their children if they're making their children wear masks. We need to call out the school systems for the bullying and the torture that they are doing to our kids. This, this is unthinkable. I mean, I mean, serious. This is inexcusable. Right now, people just like you are clamoring for more freedom and more stability in an increasingly unstable world. On one hand, I hear people complain about the soaring crime rates. On the other hand, I hear people disgusted with police brutality. Well, I'm here to say that whether you think that criminals are the problem or whether you think that the police are the problem, the real problem is government that has caused the crime and the police brutality. Government is the main source of society's problems. Let me say it again. Government is the main source of society's problems. If you've ever heard the expression that the fish rots from the head down, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's corruption. Government is designed, intentionally designed to be corrupt, to corrupt the state, to corrupt society, and the lives of the people. This is done by changeable law. If the law can be changed, it is corruptible. What that means is that government employs a system of corrupt law. Think about it. When society's laws are corrupted, the people become corrupted. Doctors, nurses, teachers, foremen, artists, engineers, mechanics, police, firefighters, day laborers, lawyers, clergy, and more. Corrupt laws affect all facets of society. Government changes laws, and it is the sole reason for systemic corruption within society. If you're like me, and you want to live in a society that is free of corruption, then you want a self-protectorate. If you haven't heard about this before, then listen to this new idea. There is an alternative to government, and it is self-protectorate. A self-protectorate is like a government, but the key difference is that a self-protectorate does not allow for the law to be changed. In a self-protectorate, the law is immutable, unchangeable, unalterable, unamendable. It is a system of permanent law. 
and it is the only way to achieve a society that is not rife with corruption. I am The Verb. Visit BeTheVerb.com and take action now. Learn about Self-Protectorate. Tell your family, tell your friends. Let's put a stop to corruption together. This past 18 months has seen a lot of division in the United States as communists and the communist liberal media have gaslighted America through their continuous physical and spiritual assault on all things righteous and moral, and the reactions of patriots and conservatives have, for the most part, been playing right into their hands. What patriots and conservatives alike mostly don't understand is that they are intentionally being stirred up to anger against their fellow Americans by these evil forces. In fact, they are being goaded into doing the exact thing that the communists want, to break apart the United States by secession. As the federal government continues in its dereliction of duty and outright assault against conservatives and patriots, many conservative-leaning states and many conservative and patriot groups are proposing to leave the Union and start their own countries. Sentiment for secessionism was high right after the questionable inauguration of Joe Biden, and while Uncle Sam has hoped that the movement would have died down some by now, this recent article from John Brown with the Daily Wire shows that not to be the case. The article, Two in Three Southern Republicans Want to Secede from Union, Nearly Half of Pacific Northwest Democrats, poll, goes on to discuss a condition of simmering hate that has captured the nation. The article goes on to state, Two, to three, two in three Republicans in the South and almost half of Democrats in Pacific states want to secede from the Union, according to a new poll. Uh, you can almost bet that the Democrats wanting to secede want to secede probably for different reasons. Conducted in June by YouGov in conjunction with Brightline Watch, the survey asked participants in each region of the United States would you support or oppose your state seceding from the United States to join a new union? Uh, the article continues on at 37%. The overall percentage of those who want to dissolve the union was arrestingly high. Brightline Watch explained, Republicans and independents in the South were most favorable to secession at 66% and 50% respectively. Of Democrats polled, 47% in the Pacific states said they want to break off. Sizable portions of independents in the heartland and mountain states also want to form their own country. Uh, quote continues on, the poll comes as President Joe Biden and others increasingly invoke the Civil War to describe GOP voting laws and the Capitol riot. Gee, imagine that. What this article shows is that as the communists in our country continue to sell America down the drain, they're weaponizing the reactions of conservatives and patriot groups and using that weaponization against America. What this means is that America is now on a quick path toward despotism. I addressed the same situation back at the beginning of February, uh, so let's have a listen. You know, this past week I have read articles and heard talk from conservatives and patriots alike stating that we should secede from the Union in response to the obvious election fraud. Texas seems to be leading the way on this effort so far, and other states are mulling over the idea. There's even been chatter that red states should join Texas in the creation of a new country opposite of the United States of America. I want to be clear to everyone that I do not support this idea. What the United States of America needs right now 
is not division, but unity. And no, I'm not talking about the, the fake unity of Joe Biden's vision. I mean real unity. The goal of the communistic globalists has always been to destroy the United States of America by breaking it apart and subverting the Constitution. If patriots and conservatives cave into the pressure from state representatives and talking heads to actually move to secession or to exit from the Union in any other way, then the Communist Chinese Party will overrun America. Divide and conquer is their tactic. United we stand, divided we fall. If the United States of America breaks apart into several smaller countries, communism will only further spread throughout the world and we as a people will be surrendering to the invisible overthrow of the United States and to the overthrow of our Judeo-Christian ethos. I mean, there are articles all over the internet of how China routinely fines and throws people into prison for exercising any religion or religious belief, even just for reading the Bible. Do you want that to happen here? Freedoms all over the world are evaporating at a pace not seen since the run-up to World War II. The solution is to keep the United States together, not break it apart. The solution is to strengthen the nation by transitioning the U.S. government into a self-protectorate via an Article 5 Convention of States. As hard of a pill as it is for conservatives and patriots to swallow, the answer is not division, but unity. Should the United States of America be divided by secession, whatever countries would emerge would quickly be completely taken over by Chinese-funded communism. America's forces would be divided, and communism would conquer. And of course, I go on to say also that uh, we need a self-protectorate. We need an Article 5 Convention of States, which is allowed by the U.S. Constitution. So it's legal, it's lawful, it's legitimate in the eyes of the Constitution in order to bring about a self-protectorate. We need an Article 5 Convention of States. We need to repair the U.S. Constitution and bring our country to where it ought to be, take it back and bring it to where it ought to be, into a self-protectorate so that we no longer have a government that's overseeing the country, but rather a self-protectorate. And a self-protectorate will permanently shut out any corruption, any systemic corruption from state systems. It'll permanently shut out the globalists. It'll permanently shut out communism. It's developed solely on the economic system of capitalism. It's developed solely on natural law and it's unchangeable law. And for those of you who are thinking that, well, unchangeable law, that sounds pretty bad because what if the law needs to change? What if technology advances to where law needs to change? Well, if the law is written in such a way that it's flexible and that it's also rigid in some instances, then that leaves room for interpretation. Plus you have the backstop of the system of judges who will judge by their own interpretation according to the law as it is written, not being able to judge by precedent and not uh, being able to judge by other court cases, but going on a case-by-case -case basis, which is also important why in a self-protectorate you have to have a robust selection, not just straight election, but a selection system. It's a combination of election and appointment. It's basically like a job interview uh, at a Fortune 500 company for like a CFO or CEO position. You don't get that in politics, ladies and gentlemen. There are plenty of politicians who have criminal backgrounds before they're even elected. Why are they allowed to run in politics? Why are they allowed to take office? I don't know, but that's government for you. 
But in a supper tetrad, that's not the case. Anyway, I want to thank you all for uh, listening in and tuning in this week. And uh, I will still continue on doing my research and fighting the good fight. I'll be back next week with another broadcast uh, discussing the topics of the week. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening in. Uh, tell your friends and family about the broadcast. Uh, if they have any questions, if you have any questions, you want more information, go to bethebird.com. You'll find a lot of information there, especially under the uh, the watch tab. Under self-protectorate, there's an introductory video, and it can tell you a lot more about self-protectorate. Of course, also please buy the book or check it out. It's available on Amazon.com, and if you don't like Amazon, you can go to gumroad.com. On sale right now. Uh, it's about 120 pages. It's a manual. It tells you how to establish the self-protectorate, why it's needed, and all in all, it is a blueprint for a better world. Uh, so with that, I bid you adieu. Until next week, keep promoting righteous change.